Good afternoon, baseball fans. It is Monday, January 29th, and this is Season 2, Episode 56 of Bourbon and Baseball, All the Balls Edition. I am Susie, that is Kelsey, and away we go. Um, that we don't, we don't have any, we don't have any bourbon though, because it's like in the middle of the afternoon and still have. Yeah, no, Susie, I did have plenty of, well, not bourbon. That probably would have been a better choice, but, uh, my brother (laughs) cracked open this Elvis peanut butter and banana and bacon flavored whiskey. That was way too many words in front of whiskey. What? Yes. And I'm usually not into those sorts of things, but I guess I had already been enjoying beverages enough earlier in the evening that by the time this was presented to me, it sounded and ultimately tasted like a good idea. So, yeah, no. Repeat, I, repeat those things again, though. Re- what? <laughs> well, what, I guess what? I guess Elvis used to like. There's some sort of correlation with him and his favorite snack being like a peanut butter and banana and bacon sandwich. Peanut butter, banana, and bacon. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's called, the whiskey is called Midnight Snack. And it has a big picture of Elvis on the front of it. And, but but like Elvis in his prime, not like fat Elvis. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That enticing Elvis that's going to make you think that this kind of whiskey is any kind of a good idea. And you know what? In the moment, I guess for maybe a couple hours of my life, there it was, but I, I am done with whiskey bourbon, any kind of it, at least for <laughs> a week or so after that. So I'm good. That's how about you? That's fair. That's fair. Um, I haven't, I haven't drank any, any sort of bourbon for quite some time. I haven't actually had any alcohol for quite a while for, for as much as I talk about alcohol, I very rarely drink alcohol. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm quite the same. Like I enjoy it when I do, but I actually like, I appreciate kind of the taste of it more mm-hmm. than anything else like I like in pairing it with things and stuff like that but I mean I will go weeks a month without drinking and not even think about it and yeah after my experience this weekend it's my my family man especially my brother uh, my sister wasn't there to have in on the fun this time and so I feel like we just had too much fun to try to oh, make up okay. for her not being there That's- so Katie so not drinking whiskey with Jake without you again that's hysterical. Now, are you are you shooting? The, were you shooting this whiskey? Were you no. sipping vigorously? Like what? What, what we were you were doing? like drinking it just over ice, but I think because it was so sweet, especially like, and it, it has a very unique flavor to it. Like it was just good, at least at that point okay. in the evening for me. And then we put it. We made like hot toddies with it. We put it like in oh. some tea, and that was really good. Oof. Okay. But so I've not done that combo but i have done i have i do have a peanut butter whiskey oh okay and yeah. i've i've paired it with cranberry juice mm. and actual like whiskey drinkers are just having a conniption right now yes um, i'm sorry if however, you're here for the, the real bourbon we're like upsetting everyone right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it tasted like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah i could see that so it was it i was i was okay with it I was okay with it, but you know, I'm like, look, I, I'm old enough now and I've been on this earth for too long that I need to enjoy what goes in my mouth. Like Absolutely. if I don't enjoy what goes in my mouth, like why? I don't, if it doesn't taste good, why is it going in my mouth? Not a chance. You know? And so it, it, it needs to be delightful. It needs to taste good. 
I, I need to, I need to describe it as adult Kool-Aid. Just, I'm yeah. just saying. I fully that's support what you in trouble. And the thing is, I was drinking my pretentious biodynamic wine. That is the only kind of wine I drink now because it doesn't make me feel like shit. Doesn't give me a headache. It's like biodynamic is like the next level organic. So it's like organic and oh. then some. It's even better. And yeah, I am not that sophisticated to tell you more about it than that. But I went to this winery. I had this wine. Not only was it delicious, but it changed my life because red wine didn't give me a headache for the first time ever. And it didn't dry me out. And I like really enjoyed it. So I was drinking that, enjoying that before we got to the peanut butter, bacon, banana, whiskey. And like, God, why did I, why did I take that sharp left turn? It's, I'm it, blaming it my brother. Seemed but, like a good you know, idea. It, it was, it was all me. It's I'm, I'm an adult here. I'll take responsibility for my decisions. And I guess I should just be glad that I had some good company and my mom and my brother to enjoy it with me. That's that's true. I'm gonna, that's, stick, I'm gonna stick to my pretentious wine, is what I'm saying. That's hysterical. <laughs> I I I'm not an adult, and I don't drink wine ever, L literally ever. I think the first wine that I will actually drink, and real wine drinkers will scoff at me, um, is Moscato. That's like really the only wine that I will drink. And every time I say that to a wine drinker, they're like, oh, and they just make that face. I'm all, I'm sorry, I'm not an adult. I apologize. And then they do have I. I do have a whiskey flavored wine. Oh, so it's like it's wine that has been aged in whiskey barrels. And that was an interesting experience. That's all I it's. it's Ooh, interesting. Yeah. OK, so I've enjoyed some yeah. like stouts that have been aged in whiskey barrels before. But is that, never a, is that a, a type of beer? Yeah, yes. a type of beer. OK, yeah, okay. but never a wine. I'm intrigued. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So that's it's it's. I, I would say it's fun stuff, but it's it's really not. Like I didn't I it was the only thing at the wine bar that I could have because they were out of Moscato that I was like, hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so, Moscato's yeah. like too sweet for me, which is normally why this this flavored whiskey would not have been my jam. But obviously we're so so cultured, so continental here on bourbon and baseball. Right? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give you guys the warning. This is a rated R podcast for all of the adult language um, and inappropriate adult humor because that's just who I am as a person. So if expletives are not your your thing, uh, totally okay, but probably not the correct podcast for you. So if there are tiny ears listening and or, um, you know, like people who get offended by the F-bomb, then yeah, it's probably not it. Um there are other shows that I'm on that PG-13 Susie makes an appearance. But this is rated R Susie over here. <laughs> so I don't, is, is Peace, Love, and Baseball a little bit more PG-13 or is that more Yeah, yeah for no. sure. Yeah, I've had okay. uh, mostly just like the episodes you've been on. No, some other ones too where we can <laughs> let, it, let it fly a little more loosely. But yeah, generally, I mean, I get it, right? You just don't have to worry about that about saying this about putting it out there but the listeners we want you to appreciate that we do put it out there so you know and and right. we just come as you are we don't have to worry about it that's, for today that's fair that's fair okay so yeah so you know if you want to enjoy um more pg-13 rated content uh head over to kelsey's peace love and baseball um there's less cussing but over here there's all the cussing because that's how that's that's who I am as a person. So with that said, we are going to jump in to our 
first segment that we have adopted in this off season um, called the 40 man find. And Kelsey, why don't you tell the people that fun? Yeah. So we are clicking right along here. We are, our plan is to finish up just in time for the start of the regular season, I think as we're, or maybe spring training, are we going to be done by spring training? I'm not sure, but we're going to get through all the teams where I think we're about halfway through now. And each Mm -hmm. week, we cover, I cover a team or a team, a player from a team in the American League, and Susie covers a player from a team in the National League. Since our fandoms are of the opposite leagues, we are opening our minds and bringing you in to meet a new player that we are also familiarizing ourselves with. So we've gone in order from the teams who have lost the most to the winningest teams. We're right in the middle here. And this week, we're going to talk about players from the Yankees organization and the Cincinnati Reds and just tell you about a guy that maybe you should keep your eye on for the upcoming season. Maybe there's some fun facts about him that you don't know about yet. And most of all, just a guy that we'd like to shake hands with, maybe have a beer with, maybe shoot some Elvis midnight snack peanut butter whiskey (laughs) with someone that, you know, seems cool and is worth highlighting here on Bourbon and Baseball. Susie, do you want to go first this week and tell us about your Cincinnati Reds find? Sure. So my Cincinnati Reds find, there's, not going to lie, I had trouble picking my guy because there was so many that I wanted to highlight because that Cincinnati Reds team is just chock full of young rookies that you don't know much of unless you follow the team very, very closely. And, um... I am a casual, casual Cincinnati Reds follower. So uh, I was familiar with the name, but not, you know, overall, like where he came from and all that fun stuff. So I had a lot of fun um, dissecting information about the starting second baseman for next season. We think he's going to be the starting second baseman next season. Uh, Matt McLean. So hmm. Matthew Michael McLean, they just, they love the alliteration there, um, was born in Tustin, California on August 6th, 1999, um, which makes him 24 years old and which makes me feel very, very <laughs> old because I was a junior in high school then. Love that for me. Um, he's the oldest of three boys. His uh, two younger brothers, Sean and Nick, also play Baseball and fun fact, when they were all on their high school baseball teams, uh, they were named the Bash Brothers. Uh, <laughs> all right. I love that. Yeah. That in the stage. Adorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, he attended Arnold O. Beckman High School in Irvine, California. And in 26 games his senior year, he slashed a ridiculous 369, 461, and a 595 slug. Okay. He had six doubles, two triples, three home runs, uh, 14 RBIs, and 16 walks. And in 2018, he was the 25th overall draft pick for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I I did not know that he no. <laughs> had been drafted more than one. I was like, I'm sorry, what now? And both in the you know first round, I was like, oh, all right, Matt McLean, I see you. Wow. Um, however, that that 25th overall draft pick, that that slot is worth two million six hundred and thirty-six thousand and four hundred dollars. 
but he declined it because he said, you know what, I'm, I'm going I'm to go to college. I'm going to go play for UCLA. And he was a UCLA Bruin for all the years, all the years. And Mike Hazen, the general manager of the Diamondbacks, kind of said that, you know, we we know that this was kind of on the horizon. He's, he wasn't going to go as far as to say that it was because of money. But there were there were little hints that maybe, hmm. maybe they maybe uh, Matt McClain wanted them to go over slot, and oh. the Diamondbacks weren't willing, so they were like, okay. So um, I did read an article that that said that Matt said that he wanted to go to college and have that college experience, gain that experience of playing for a college college coach, get a little bit stronger, get a little bit smarter. And they said when he re-entered the draft um, in uh, 2021 that his baseball IQ had been heightened. And I was like, oh, okay then. So yeah, well, good um, for him for knowing like that that's what he needed to do. I think that would be like a really interesting interview series to do of just interview like different players who either decided to, to be drafted right out of high school or opted to play college ball. And like, there's, mm-hmm. there's gotta be so many variables to those decisions, yeah. but hopefully it's working out for him. Yeah. So fun fact, the, in that 2018 draft class for the Diamondbacks, um, in which he declined the 39th round pick, um, not the 39th round, I'm sorry. The 39th overall pick, um, was outfielder Jake McCarthy from university of Virginia. Okay. And then with the 63rd pick, it was high schooler Alec Thomas. And if you are familiar with the Diamondbacks, you will know that both of those are currently on the Diamondbacks. Um, Alec Thomas has been a was a really big contributor to that World Series team. Jake McCarthy has been kind of up and down. He's kind of on that bubble this season. There's been trade rumor talk, but that neither here nor there. Matt McLean went to UCLA. So, anyways. Um, in the summer of 2018, he played in the West Coast League with the Bellingham Bells. He was awarded the Top Prospect Award. So as a freshman in 2019, he played in 61 games with 60 of those games being starts. I was like, oh, okay, Matt McLean, I see you. Wow. He slashed uh, 203, 276, and 355 with four home runs and 30 RBIs. Um, also another little fun fact, according to his baseball reference page, Matt McLean is a short King as in he is listed as five, eight. Hmm. My guy today is kind of short too. That's interesting. So, but here's the other, I guess, fun portion of that. According to baseball America in 2018, he was listed as 510. That's very different. I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. It's he, because on baseball reference, they seem to be a little bit more generous than, you know, they they normally are. So, if baseball reference is calling him 58, right. I'm like did did he sh- did he shrink? Like he, is he is he really like five six? Is he like Altuve size? I I need to know these things. <laughs> so, hey, whatever the um, man can play baseball. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So Reds fans, if you are here, um, please let me know. Yeah, weigh in. And, I, and, and tell me, is he, is he a short king? Like, I think he is a short king because I've watched enough Reds games to know that he is he's a little bit shorter. But is he, you know, 5'8", 5'10", 5'6"? Like, where is he? I'd, I'd like to know. So <laughs> anyways, uh, in 2021, that is when he entered the draft and was the overall 17th round not 17th round dang it 17th pick I knew and right. yeah that slot worth is three million six hundred and nine thousand seven hundred dollars so you know just a just a wee bit wee bit higher and um between the arizona uh, complex league and high a of that year in 31 games he slashed 283 389 with a 462 slug. So our short king can can hit some balls. Um he hit three home that. runs. Yeah. Three home runs, 19 RBIs, and 10 stolen bases. Um in 2022, he played for the double A Chattanooga Lookouts. Mm. I love all these minor league <laughs> names, by the way. These they make me happy. Um me in 103 games, he slashed 232, 363. Uh, with a 453 slug, he hit 17 home runs, 58 RBIs, and stole 27 uh, bags. So between high school and college and all of these, he bounced between shortstop and second base. Okay. Um, if if you know anything about the red system, they've they've got a they've got a shortstop um, that is not not short at all. Mm -mm, no, he is in fact the opposite of that. He's very tall. Uh, his name is Ellie Dele Cruz. So they're like, mm, Matt McLean, may I interest you in second base? <laughs> so, but there's, I guess, also, mixed feelings on that too. I mean, if he because, is like, you know, under significantly under six feet, I feel like he'd just be better suited there too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Jonathan India used to play second base and that's you know, oh, so yeah. thing. And so, uh, so it's, it's, there's, there's red fandom. Um, kingdoms shall i say of, yeah. of who fandoms if who wants to play where and all that fun stuff yeah. so it's it's interesting so anyways but in um 2023 for the triple a louisville bats and in my head i'm all is that like a bat bat is that like the animal yeah. bat is that is it like a baseball like what is your mascot i need to know these things bat as well or bat yeah. i feel like it's a bat probably yeah, probably louisville like a right like a <laughs> With like a face on it, probably. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in 2023, uh, he started in AAA, played 38 games, and this slash line is j just fucking stupid. I had to read it like three times to make sure that I actually wrote it down correctly because I'm all surely that's not that's not right. Listen, listen to me now. His slash line was a 348 batting average, a 474 on base percentage and a 710 slug a 710 yeah. slug i was like what uh yeah so um how many he hit 12 home runs in 38 38 oh, okay. games 38 yeah 12 home runs 40 rbi and 10 stolen bases so like an rbi a game essentially I don't runs too. yeah yeah you've so sold me May 16th, he got called up. Um, and in 89 games for the Reds, he slashed 
290, 357 with a 507 slug. Like yeah. short king can get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just all the balls out of the park. Um, and, you know, American, what is that? What American value? No, American Great Field? No. Great American, Great American Ballpark. Great American Ballpark. Thank you. Ballpark is what they small call park. It. Yeah, um, I guess they're saying that his slug is, or his home run count would be lower if he played sure. somewhere else. Um, but I mean, you know, like a five oh seven slug, that's still very good. Anyway, and also like he doesn't, um, so yeah. that's kind of all there is to it at the end of the day. <laughs> so he had sixteen home runs and fifty RBI. And stole 14 bags. Wow. And he just played kind of all over the all over the the place um last season because he played um he played 53 games at shortstop and then 37 games at second. Hmm. And so um looking at Fangraph's roster resource this year for this upcoming season, it says that he will be shortstop. So we shall see what actually happens with him. So um, what, what would Ali De La Cruz do if he wasn't playing shortstop? Does he move over somewhere? I don't even know. Can he play outfield? Or he plays third, too. He plays... I pl I think he plays third. Yeah. I want to say that they played him in the outfield, too, but they've got a gluttony of outfielders as well. Right. And so, yeah. All right. I have... You have increased my intrigue with the Reds already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, last fun fact that I have about Matt McLean, uh, he got rookie of the year votes for the NL last season. Nice. So he was fifth in the NL uh, rookie of the year vote voting with five points. And I was like, oh, that's that's cute. I mean, it, it really yeah, I think that's something, though, really and truly like Corbin Carroll ran away with it. James totally. Allen got some, some votes as well, you know, but like he got five points. He got. um one second place vote and two third place votes. Uh, but he beats out Spencer Steer and Ellie De La Cruz, teammates of him. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I tell you that that Cincinnati Reds team is just chock full of young talent, like, this this is what I mean. So That's a really yeah. good pick, though, because Ellie De La Cruz, I think, like, I forget that he didn't get brought up until so late into the season because, like, the hype around him was just insane. So... Mm -hmm. He is like the first rookie that we all think about right now when we think about the Reds, but there's so many more and yeah. I knew very little about him. So I'm glad that yeah. I do now. Yes. So Matt McLean, our short King, I I'm going to call you my short King. And until we prove otherwise, this is, this is what, what's happening. So um, I do apologize if that is offensive to you, but you know, my short King is Jose Altuve. And I think that's a very, very good, wonderful comp. So I'm just saying. I've got to find so, out how tall baseball reference says my guy is now. No. Yeah, that is okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if he, he's not as short of a King, but my New York Yankees star prospect, Jason Dominguez, who I'm going to tell you about today is listed as five, nine on baseballreference.com, And oh, he is an outfielder. Okay. Yeah. He was born on February 7th, 2003 in Esperanza, which is a municipality of the Valverde province in the Dominican Republic. And according to Jeff Passan, shout out Jeff Passan via ESPN, Jason is the second of six children and his father Felix is a former baseball player and a huge Yankees fan. So he named his son after Yankees first baseman, Jason Giambi. 
Mm-hmm. Jason Dominguez has two S's in his first name, though. I'm not sure. Yeah. That must be a, a more common Dominican spelling of it or something. But Passon reports that Jason Dominguez signed with the trainer Ivan Noboa at age 13, which I guess is a very common age for things like that to happen in the Dominican Republic system. And Dominguez played as a catcher before transitioning into a center fielder, according to a New York Post article by Dan Martin. He is considered to be a five-tool player, and that is, if you, I feel like we throw that term around a lot, but maybe, you know, depending on what level you are at your fandom, you may or may not know what that really means. But a five-tool player is a position player who has great skill in all the tools or the basic skills, which are hitting for average, hitting for power, base running and speed and throwing and fielding. So he does all the things. That's the dream. That's what you want to be to get paid. The Side most. note that that scale, how they rank that it's not a 100, 100 being the best. No, no. It's an 80. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an confusing. 80. So confusing that we'll get into it on, on another <laughs> thing, but just in case you, you ever hear of somebody having 80 grade speed or 80 grade power. That's the best. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Top of the line. That is a good point of discussion to come back to. But at some point during his training, someone referred to him as El Marciano, which is Spanish for the Martian, because his talent was not of this world. Very clever. We love it. But it's stuck. And yeah. that is what you will hear him be referred to as uh, by the Yankees fandom far and wide. Someone, but who? Like, I really want to know who coined this nickname. If you're out there, if you're listening, and you were the first person during his training to call Jason Dominguez the Martian, take some credit. Right. Drop it in the comments, guys. <laughs> right. if, you know, if you know who did it, if you can point us to an article, I would Sources. Love that. Please we're thank looking you. for him. So during our, according to MLB 2019 prospect watch, Dominguez was ranked as the top prospect eligible to sign with any MLB team in the 2019, 2020 international class. He signed with the Yankees for a franchise record $5.1 million signing bonus on July 2nd of 2019, receiving the majority of the Yankees 5.4 million total allotment for international signings that year. So they're in on him. He did not play in 2020 due to the cancellation of the minor league baseball season resulting from the pandemic, of course, and instead he trained at a baseball academy in Santiago. So in June of 2021, he made his professional debut with the Florida Complex League Yankees of rookie level Florida Complex League, and he was selected to represent the Yankees in the 2021 All-Star Futures game. Dominguez became the first prospect to appear in the All-Star Futures game without having played a full season in the minor leagues. Come on over. We already know you're a star. Mm -hmm. The Yankees promoted him to the Tampa Tarpons of the low A Southeast League after the Futures game. There he batted four for 20 with six strikeouts, six walks. And uh, he batted 258 with five home runs and 18 runs batted in in 49 games once he got bumped up. So he's kind of just like checking the boxes. They seem to be moving him up through the system pretty quickly. He began the 2022 season with Tampa and he appeared in the 2022 All-Star Futures game and then he was promoted to the Hudson Valley Renegades. Okay. Hi A. And when Hudson Valley season ended, the Yankees promoted Dominguez to the Somerset Patriots Double A for their last few regular season games and he played in the postseason with their Double A team. 
The New York Post reported that the Yankees invited Dominguez to spring training as a non-roster player in 2023, and they ended up assigning him to the Somerset Double A team to begin the 2023 season. He got promoted to the Scranton Wilkes Bar Whale Riders. Rail, Ooh. sorry. The let me try that again. The Scranton <laughs> Wilkes Bar Rail Riders. Maybe that's what I said. I think I said Whale Riders. Rail. You, the first time you said Riders Whale Riders, rail. which. I was totally, I was like, that that could be legitimately be a mascot like, because choo you know. choo, here comes the train. We are not riding whales, to be clear. Triple <laughs> A rail riders. The triple A rail riders. Right. Try saying anyway, that three times fast. Comes up to play with them on August 22nd. And he was actually he won the Eastern League top MLB prospect award at the end of the 2023 season. But Kelsey, we saw him in the major leagues in 2023. We did. He was only in AAA for a week and a day. And on September 1st, 2023, the Yankees promoted Dominguez to the major leagues. And he made his major league debut that day. Susie remembers it well because it was against the Houston Astros. And he hit a home run off the first swing in his first at bat against none other than Justin Verlander. Welcome back to Houston, JV. So you you knew exactly who I was talking about when I said Jason Dominguez, mm -hmm. yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Certain people are surely more familiar with him already than others because he made his mark, but it was quite short-lived. According to ESPN, with that home run, Dominguez became the youngest player in team history to hit a home run in his major league debut, and he surpassed Whitey Lockman as the youngest in MLB history to do so in their first plate appearance. Sick. On September 10th, Dominguez was diagnosed with a torn UCL requiring Tommy John surgery, and it ended his season nine days after his promotion to the big leagues, breaking Yankees fans' hearts across the world. This recovery, of course, is expected to take about nine to ten months, so he was placed on the IL the next day, and not before hitting four home runs in just eight games in his major league debut. You also might have heard of Jason Dominguez in the world of baseball news recently because there is a surround, there's like an increase of speculation surrounding age fraud, which is supposedly on the rise in the Dominican Republic. Now, this is something that's been talked about, speculated on for a really long time. I'm most familiar with it because of Albert Pujols of St. Louis <laughs> Cardinals fame. Like everyone thinks he's like 60 years old, but he supposedly turned 44 this year. I don't, I don't believe know. that. Nope. Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't think he's 44? No. 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 I'm no. I'm 42. Like, no. I don't think you think he looks old. Like, I don't think he looks oh, yeah. old. He definitely looks older than 44. Everyone he, ages so differently. I don't, I mean, I don't think he does, but he's no, that man is that man is pushing 50. Very, very easily. That man is pushing. Well, wouldn't 50. that be even more impressive then? Because he did what he did at almost fifty years old. Then, if that's really yes. true, yes. I don't know. I it's just wild. like you know. I guess I've been looking more into this and trying to get up to speed on it. I mean, obviously, it's a very convoluted situation and not one that hasn't. They've been trying to solve it, you know, for a long time yeah. now. And there's you know many layers to why it is so problematic, but I don't, what I don't fully understand and what I need to get more up to speed on is like where obviously there's some benefit in the way that a number of people are able to make money off of these players. And that's what it, I know, I know that's what it comes down to, but I need mm -hmm. to understand where that actually factors in. 
Like, how does it help to make them older? I guess just because they can start making money off of them. No, 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 no. no. It helps to make them younger. Yeah. But so, oh, so, so they really, longer contracts. Yeah. So okay. when Jason Dominguez signed at 13, and I'm not saying that that he's part of this. I'm just saying when he signed yeah, yeah, at 13, yeah. he may really have been 16, 17, 18. And if he right. was actually 16, 17, 18, they would have given him less money because he's older. Right. 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 And so, you know, like the older you are, the less money that you're less going to receive. years of. Yeah. Yes. You're less. So, prime yeah. years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the I feel like on the same side or on the other side of the same coin, it's problematic in the other way. So I don't know, but yeah. clearly there's a reason why uh, this keeps happening. And if you want to look more into it, there's a great article that came out, I think just yesterday, or maybe it was Friday, um, in the athletic by Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal, it's called age fraud on the rise in the Dominican Republic, sowing chaos for MLB teams, young players. And there's been articles that have come out after that and all kinds of things speculating that Jason Dominguez, is he somehow older than like Juan Soto? Supposedly Jason (laughs) Dominguez is 20 and Juan Soto is 25. I'm like, you think he's that much older Wow. I don't know, but there's all kinds of crazy theories out there. And at the end of the day, I think the important thing to remember is that these, when this happens, regardless of if he was 13 or 17 or whenever, like these things are Mm -hmm. happening and whoever it's happening to their children and Mm -hmm. they are the ultimate victim victims of it. And that's just unfortunate. But Dominguez has participated in leading training camps for kids in New Jersey through Flex Work Sports, which is cool to see. He was able to get involved with that in this past season. And then Yankees manager Aaron Boone was asked in an interview on SNY recently about Dominguez's rehab and his outlook for 2024. And Boone said that his rehab is, quote, going exactly how it should be going right now. He is just two and a half months. uh, This was just two and a half months after his surgery. So this is about a month or so ago that this interview came out with Boone and he said he's sure he'll be swinging when we're in spring training. He's also quoted saying, I love the makeup. I love the talent and I'm excited about his future as a center fielder, as a left fielder, potentially down the road in our yard, depending on what our roster makeup is. So Yankees fans, if you're listening, you know all about Jason Dominguez and your hype and you're super into him. And Uh, If you're not up to speed on him already, you certainly will be. I would think by the all-star break, they're going to put him back into the mix. And I don't know. Do you think he's going to go straight back to the major leagues after, you know, a rehab assignment or with the way that the Yankees roster is made up right now? I'm not sure how it slots right in. I think it will depend on how well Trent Grisham and Alex Verdugo and that whatever outfield mess they have over there like I think if you know I think if Trent Grisham is hitting the cover off the ball maybe I don't I don't know yeah I mean Um, it doesn't really matter because they clearly can't do without the depth and that's a good problem for for them to have but that will be an exciting time for Yankees fans when Jason Dominguez is healthy and back at it for sure. For sure. Um, again, I need, huh, I need the hot stove to get a little bit hotter and I need all of these free agents to get off the board so that we can talk about all of these rosters because yeah. I don't want to talk about the rosters when there's still major players left. Right. 
Right. Yes. We have, yeah, roster changing player. Players who yeah. rosters could be built around who are still yeah. on the board. It's really yeah. wild. I know that there's some good stuff that's come out from some of our favorite writers about why this is the way that it is. Have you kept up on any of that? I've got some articles saved that I have yet to really dive into. Not really. It's just been um, from what I've gleaned from various like things that I would start to read and then I would see something shiny and then not finish it. <laughs> Essentially like the big, the big ones left Jordan Montgomery and Cody Bellinger. Um, like Snell, like Snell, all Scott Boris clients yeah. and Scott Boris is really not in any hurry. Never. Yeah. Sign. Like JD Martinez. I think they, he's gone into February. I think last season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, and I'm, I'm still really, I'm, I'm really confuzzled by all of that. I mean, I guess they've made their money and they're just like, I know we're going to get signed somewhere, but I feel like the longer they wait, like the more, I don't know, the less offers are going to get. I don't know. Like the fact that Cody Bellinger hasn't even received an offer, like not even yeah. one. That's the latest kind of headline that I was really intrigued by was that Bob Nightingale reported that Cody Bellinger has not received a formal contract offer from any major league baseball team yet. And I mean, there's a number of reasons for that and all we can do is speculate, but we do know that Boris is looking for a $200 million plus deal for Cody Bellinger. And is he being that demanding of it that no one's even going to make an offer unless it's over $200 million for one good season, I yeah. guess, because I mean, I can, I can only imagine that is the thing that's keeping any official offers from being put on the table is how adamant they're being about that. But, and now I'm hearing the latest that I've seen is that the angels are potentially front runners for Cody Bellinger. And I'm like, is it because Artie Moreno is the only one who's going to be willing to do that? And he needs to, you know, have somebody since he doesn't have Shohei Otani anymore. I don't know. Wow. But what I hope, I don't know. I, I guess like they still have Mike Trout and all of that. So you don't want to see Mike Trout just out on his own, like, you know, trying to make some magic happen for the angels. So it's not that I don't want to see another top talent on the angels, but I don't even see where he, like there are other well, things. But he can also play skill set. I, would think. I think he also plays he also plays first base though. Yeah. And I am not well versed enough with the Angels roster, the, their new roster, um, to know who their first baseman is. Let's let us let us look. Speaking of lettuce, uh Trey Cabbage, they just DFA'd Trey Cabbage, um, who played for them last last season. They brought him up very, very early. And I want to say that Trey um was was one of their infielders as well. Um, let's see. Yeah, see, Trey Cabbage was one of their first baseman slash outfielders. So right. let's see here. Making um, room for him. So their first baseman as it stands, or according to Fangrass Roster Resource right now, is Nolan Shanuel. And he is basically an on-base machine. Oh, okay. He sounds like so, a good mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, they have Taylor, Taylor Ward currently in left field, uh, Mickey Moniak in right field, and then 
Mike Trout in center field. Now they did sign an outfielder. They did sign Aaron Hicks literally like 10 minutes before we started to record. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll go over his contract in just a second. But so I think maybe that will take the place of probably Taylor Ward. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's because of the kind of like dangling game that we're playing with Boris this off season specifically, but there's less clarity on like teams going out to get specifically what they are sought out to get and more just like weird piecing together of things happening mm-hmm. this off season yeah. than usual as well. But that's probably also a little bit more dependent on the franchise. Like I'm just thinking a team like the Cardinals is going to go out and they we need three starting pitchers. We got three starting pitchers. How we got it or how they line up is not – you know, as important as we went out, we had a specific goal, we did it, check the boxes sort of a thing. Right. Or there's other teams like the Braves who are going to, you know, they're playing murder board their way. They're playing some other game that's way more even like right. cognitive than chess that I don't even know exists. So, yeah. Yeah. Who can say? I, yeah, I don't. I don't even know what the what the Braves are doing over there. But they're. But they're. I mean, people have been making moves. Teams have been making moves. Yes, we we say that um, things are happening. Uh, the well, you know what? Why don't we? Why don't we start with Aaron Hicks, the the one that just just happened. So Aaron Hicks signs with the Angels um, with a for one year, and he the Angels only have to pay them. Pay him the league minimum of what seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars? Is that what it is? Yeah, seven forty. Okay, um, because Aaron Hicks is getting paid by none other than the Yankees. <laughs> so um, he is getting paid nine and a half million for this this season. Uh, nine and a half million for twenty twenty five, and there's one million buy one million dollar buyout for twenty twenty six that the Yankees. Are wow. still on the floor. Um, if you guys remember, right? Um, he played for Baltimore last year and turned it around. So in 65 games for Baltimore last year, he hit seven home runs, slashing 275, 381, and 425, which gives you a 129 WRC plus, which is weighted runs created plus 100 being league average. So yeah. he's 29% better. Then your league average outfielder. And so um, Baltimore also only had to pay him league minimum because the Yankees were paying him. So this is, this is really like a, a no brainer deal for, for the angels and they get some veteran leadership and it really, it really kind of cracked me up when the Yankees DFA to him because Yankee fans were thrilled absolutely thrilled that they had finally DFA'd um, Aaron Hicks. And then he goes over to Baltimore and starts breaking for them. It, it made me laugh. Not going to like <laughs> Yankee fans. It, it did. It made me laugh. Um, but you know, good for you, Aaron Hicks. Good for you. We shall see what you do over there. I, I'm just saying like Tim Anderson to the angels. I'm still waiting. Yeah, any day now. That's really that's the pass and tweet that I have my notifications turned on for. Announce yeah. Tim Anderson to the Angels, Jeff. 
Yeah, I would I would love that. Now, like I said, they've got a very, very green rookie team. Yeah. They brought up um, Zach Neto last season as their shortstop. And Luis Renjifo is their second baseman, Ooh, yeah. according to Fangraphs Roster Resource. I'm just saying um, you can you can sign Tim Anderson, move him to second, and Renjifo becomes a depth piece on the bench. And again, I think Ron Washington is just going to do all the things and get all of the, the vibes up. He better. If anyone better, can do I'm it, it's Wash. Yep, I think so. So, um, did anybody else sign with the uh, with the Angels? Kills? The Angels. I thought we had another one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. They did. Matt Moore. Poor Matt Moore. Mm -hmm. Angels give uh, Matt Moore one year, $9 million. He had a 2.66 ERA, 28% strikeout rate, nine or only a 6.9 walk rate with the Angels last season. And the Angels were trying to get under the luxury tax. So he went to the guardians did not do much with them before the Marlins picked him up and had four shutout innings there. Great. So overall he ends the season with a 2.56 ERA 27.5% strikeout rate and holds on to the, that steady 6.9% walk rate in a total of 52 and two thirds innings. He's back with the angels we were saying we feel bad for him because who knows, like, I don't know. Like, you think you could maybe, how, how do you, how do you pitch for three separate teams all in one season? Like, I don't, I don't know anything about Matt Moore's relationship status. If he has a wife, well, yeah. girlfriend, significant other, I don't know if he has kids, but the fact that he had to try and pitch and not, not anything on performance it's literally because, it's literally because the angels were trying to get under the luxury tax and then the guardians were like we don't need you because uh we're not in oh, yeah just kidding playoff contention anymore yeah so bye and then the marlins are like oh hey yeah we'll take you so you know he has to go from like california to cleveland to miami like it can't be easy to go to three different teams in one season, try to be the new kid in the class again and again. And is, is it, is it Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> like it, did the angel is the angels the only person, only person, only team to give them an offer. Like I feel like with those numbers, yeah, multiple teams would have been in on them, but I mean, for the number of innings, I mean, 9 million is a lot. But yeah, I don't know. It looks like through his whole career, he's, he's jumped around here and there, but he was, he was an all-star 10 years ago. <laughs> He'd be another, another good 40 man find. There's just so many of these guys. We start talking about them and I'm like, I want to learn more. He does yeah. have a wife and a son who was born in 2019. And yeah, I mean, he's 34 years old. He's not like one of these 22 year old guys just like, skipping around yeah 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 so, so like you know where and i don't know where his, where their home base is so you know does he actually do they actually live in california like can he can he see his kids right. like when he so may, maybe that's why maybe they do live in california and that's why he went back to the angels i don't know so but angels good on you like you've redone that bullpen um 
you've signed some guys. Ron Washington's going to work his magic. I I see it. I see it. Um, the Nationals. Nationals have signed outfielder Joey Gallo to a one-year, $5 million contract with another million dollars available in performance bonuses. Joey Gallo and his schmedium pants have, have made it around the block. Let me tell you what. Yeah. I mean, I can't say, I don't, I don't know that anyone's like overly excited about this, but it seems like where he's at can make the difference for him. And maybe he's Mm -hmm. found a fit with the nationals. Yeah. So Joey yellow and your schmedium pants. I wish you well. Um, Fun, fun fact. When, they were playing the Astros. You know, he's a left-handed pitcher or left-handed um, hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, his schmedium pants, man, man has got some buns. The the cake on that man is just chef's kiss. Okay, and there's <laughs> there's a guy on TikTok that I kid you not, I legitimately thought was Joey Gallo for like a hot second before I realized that it was not Joey Gallo. Uh, l- literally because of his ass. It was <laughs> Joey. I thought I did your ass on TikTok, but it wasn't yeah. you. It wasn't. It it he 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 does he does the butt workouts and he's got like the massive quads. It was. I thought it was Joey Gallo for like a hot second until I realized that it was not Joey Gallo and it was this trainer guy and he was like, "Work out <laughs> with me," and I'm all, "Uh, no, thank you. You intimidate me because the ass is too fat." Like it was. It was very impressive. I, I hats off, sir. Hats off. Sir. Um, so you're looking for that. There's a guy yeah. on TikTok that can hook you up, but he's not. Don't be fooled. He's not Joey Gallo. Okay. Gallo. No, not Joey. Well, another discarded Yankee here who's got another shot. Do you think this is like his last like big shot? Maybe. Maybe. I don't I think know. So. It could be. I don't know. His strikeout rate, man. I feel right. Bad. Right. I'm like, I don't care how many home runs he hits. Like, yeah, not getting time with Mariners. Matter, right, just breaking out, and that's yeah. not going to hold up in today's game on any team. No, no. But all of the all of the um, relievers. So because the Phillies have signed left-handed pitcher Colby Allard to a one-year, one million dollar contract, um, and an additional one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars available in incentives. Good on you, Colby Allard. Mm-hmm. James Paxton. The Dodgers, we couldn't go a week without talking about him because they had to pick up James Paxton, left-handed pitcher, one-year contract, worth about $12 million. Mm-hmm. What is this? There's a bonus of $1 million if he makes the opening day roster. They're going to pay him $12 million, and there's a chance he's not going to make the opening day roster. That sounds like a Dodgers thing to do. Yeah, so I get – I don't – I, I've really not heard much about this besides speculation that maybe his rehab is not going oh, okay. as well as planned. And so if he gets up to par, I don't know. But I was like, that that seems really weird. Like, why would you sign someone? I, it's the Dodgers. So I don't, I don't really know anymore. It's the Dodgers. Well, they are one of those organizations that definitely feel more comfortable investing in pitchers who are working through a number of different issues. Mm -hmm. So 
I could see that. But I mean, yeah, $12 million for what's definitely like a depth piece at best. Yeah. I'm like, it's $24. Right, so you, I was like, is that money deferred? Is he going to get like 500? Like what? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yay, Dodgers, you, you made another fucking move. <laughs> um, a roll Chapman. Oh, let me tell you another fun fact okay. I just learned about James Paxton real quick. Okay. He's he's Canadian. I don't think I knew that. And apparently his nickname is the Big Maple. The so. Big Maple. Okay. I, you know, is that what his teammates in Boston called him? Like, yes. So I want to know if he's going to be called that, if it's going to stick. Hmm. Interesting. I don't. Is Shohei going to call him the Big Maple? That, that, that's another thing, though. Like, why didn't like Boston needs starting pitching? So why are why did Boston not resign James Paxton? Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe there's only room for, for one Canadian on that team at a time. Yeah. They got Tyler O'Neill now, but he <laughs> James Paxton also pitched a no hitter on May eighth of twenty eighteen. Mm. Yeah, like I mean, he's not a. He's not an ace by any means, but he's an innings eater. Like he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll get you some outs. I, I, whatever. I don't, I don't know what the Red Sox are doing. Like, yeah, he would have, have a been a valuable time. piece for a lot of different teams. I guess he seems less valuable on a team like the Dodgers, and it's just like annoying. So I'm sorry, James. Yeah. It's nothing against you. Yeah. Um, a roll to Chapman to the Pirates for ten and a half million dollars for one year. Chapman to the who? To the pirates. To the what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so like, and I feel I mean, so bad he, this, he, because I actually really like the pirates, but yes. so is this, is this like what the Royals did last season? You so got to think he's so. just going to get flipped at the, at the deadline and he's, he'll be at with another club. You got to think so. Yeah. And Chapman is not one of those guys that I feel for unlike, you know, more who I'm like, don't want, yeah. you know, this is, if yeah. this is how Chapman can get paid and work in major league baseball, by all means use him. I, I don't know. Cause yeah, I, it's not that I don't want the pirates to do well. I just don't see it as a fit on any level, but yeah. that is it. That has to be it that he is, you know, think about how valuable of a piece he did become for the Royals when they, they traded him to the Rangers at the deadline. And if the pirates can do that again this year, awesome. But my, my question now is though, who becomes the set man is a role to Chapman because they, because the Rangers didn't use a role to Chapman as their, as their closer. Like every time no. they, like every time they tried, uh, he'd have like one good outing and then follow that up with like a blow up outing. And so, by the end of the postseason, he was he ended up being like their setup setup guy. Like he ended up being like their seventh eighth, not yeah. really the eighth inning guy either. Yeah, it was more was like the seventh um, inning guy. Yeah, it was more matchup based how he was and used. So I'm like, are they going to are they going to replace David Bednar? I I don't think they are. No, I don't, I don't no, think so right. Yeah, no. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not. Well, I'm not well enough versed with the Pirates system to know how much David Bednar is getting, though. Like, I is. Oh yeah, I don't know how much he's getting, but there's. No, I mean, he is. He is their closer. He should be their closer. <laughs> yeah, and a role to Chapman is the setup guy. But then, like, you're. I don't know. 
I, I, he uh, granted Aroldis Chapman had decent numbers last last season. He ended he ended the season um, with a three point oh nine ERA over fifty eight and a third innings, um, striking out a ridiculous forty one point four percent of batters. And if you watched any of the postseason, you will have seen Aroldis Chapman toe that line of, oh my God, is this it? Is this is this it? Is this when he implodes? <laughs> and he never he never imploded to the tune of you know like a walk off Jose Altuve home run like that's sure. but much to much to my chagrin. But it was very stress inducing if you were yeah oh man. yeah you think that he's imploded a dozen times already because mm -hmm. of how many times he's raised your blood pressure to that point he is mm -hmm. that guy at this point on top of the yeah. fact that like he's just not a good clubhouse guy either so yeah yeah i i don't know but david bednar is in his last year of arbitration he's making uh four million five hundred ten thousand this year but I mean, I, I would think to me, if I'm looking at, I want David Bednar on my team yeah. over Chapman any day. For sure. For sure. I, it, it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see what, what happens and how. I think he is a valuable piece for a team in, in a certain position. And that's why he can be used the way that he is as trade bait. So we will keep an eye on that. And it, I fully expect to see that happen again. This yeah. July. So um going from a bad clubhouse guy to a wonderful clubhouse guy, um, Hector Neris. Very sad, very, very sad that Hector Neris went to the Cubs. Um, however, very, very, very happy that it wasn't the Yankees or the Rangers who apparently <laughs> there were rumors for. So Hector Neris to the Cubs. Um, he gets nine million dollars for 2024. This made me really sad because he turned down eight and a half. From us, um, like, so I'm all, okay. what what are we what are we doing? Apparently, there was like rumors that he was looking for three, um, three for fifty. Honestly, I think the Rafael Montero deal last season just totally fucked us out of getting Naris this season. But whatever, that's sure. either here nor there. But um, a team option converts to a player option once he hits sixty games, which I think he will do. Um, pretty quickly uh then he will get another nine million uh for 2025 and then with incentives apparently he has the ability to get 23.25 million dollars 23 and a quarter million dollars i don't think the astros were going to come anywhere close to that so i think maybe that's that's why um but i'm i'm thrilled to see hector go to the cubs It'll be interesting to see in what role they use him. Yeah. Um, it looks like, yeah, he's thrown well over 60 innings for the last one, two, three, for the last four seasons, dating back to 2019. Obviously, mm -hmm. he did not in that 2020 season. But yeah, that's a that's a great contract for him. Yeah. So um, he'll look good in that in that in that cubby blue. And he will be a great great clubhouse guy um yeah when i'm he not came over last year no two years ago i'm dumb he literally took all of the um rookie um 
Latin players out to dinner oh, on his cool. dime and asked like the Astros to get vans and caravan. And if they weren't willing to pay for it, like he'll, like he would pay for it, but the Astros took care of it. But he took all of the, the rookie Latin players and sat them down for dinner and was like the super awesome clubhouse guy. And I will miss his energy. I know as a Cardinals fan, you were less thrilled, but yeah, you were like, I don't want him to go to the Yankees and the Red Sox. I'm like, I don't want him to go to the Cubs, but here we are, especially because he would have been a really great fit for the Cardinals as well, but they are not going to shell that out for him. Don't I know it? But yeah, I think the, the Cubs are interesting only because like he is absolutely a valuable piece for them on many levels, but they've got some other, other pieces they need to fill. So they're one of the teams I'm actually the most interested to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. Cause out of anyone, I, they're definitely not done. No, I would no. say it, I'll, I'll be really interested. I stove. Let's go. We, we need more. We need more. It's cold need over more. here. Yes. Um, you want to stick with, you want to stick with relievers? Let's stick with relievers. Shall yeah. We? Yeah. We got so, David Robertson to the mm-hmm. Rangers. Uh, no hard numbers yet, but it is uh, anticipated to be – it's a year contract anticipated to be worth 11 to $12 million. It is a pending physical. You said 175 saves. Is that his total number of career saves? See. Si. Yeah. I mean, he's another one of those guys that I feel like you could slot in on a number of teams and great pickup for the Rangers. And David Robertson – is his own agent. So mm-hmm. in every dollar, baby, good for yeah. him. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see what role he also will play over there for the Rangers. Cause um, Jose LeClerc had come in and, and saved the day and Josh Spores had come in and, and saved the day. So it'll be interesting to see if they'll actually use him as a 39 year old closer. Or if he'll be a 39-year-old setup guy or a 39-year-old seventh inning guy. I think, though, he will be used. He will be happy wherever he's used. Or he'll be willing to be. Yeah, he has slotted in everywhere he's been over the number of the last few years and made himself very valuable. And that in itself is is a value. And with a team like the Rangers right now, like he, how he is utilized, I would agree. I would anticipate would look different in, over the course of the first half of the season and the second half of the season with all the moving parts that they have and the injuries and back and forth there. Yep, for sure. So let's see. Um, Adam Adovino goes back to the Mets on a one-year, $4.5 million deal. The right-handed pitcher – oh, what happened? I Oh, sorry. I lost I... my spot. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, uh, The right-handed pitcher – uh, had a 2.06 ERA in 2022, uh, despite a one <laughs> a one to seven win loss record. He held a 3.21 ERA in 2023 with 62 strikeouts over 61.2 innings. Um, did you hear the hoopla though about what all like his comments about the Mets and all of that fun stuff? Oh no, fill me in. Yeah. Um, I'm not super familiar with it. Like I meant to go back and like watch the actual clip, but the little part that I saw was him basically saying like the Mets clubhouse and like the atmosphere, like the whole thing was just kind of chaotic. Yeah, which and, we did hear from other sources and, throughout last yeah. season. 
but I I don't remember if I want to say maybe he turned down a player option mm. last for last season. I I think maybe that was it. So now I have to look. Um, but yeah, so I think I think he lost a little bit of money on this. I'm not. No, I think he's it. a well. He's a he's a valuable piece in the back half of any bullpen. So. I don't know. I I, now I want to know what he said about the Mets and how he got his way back into David Stern's good graces. Maybe he was looking, he needed David Stern's to come in and was like, you're here. You've saved my interpretation of this Mets team. Maybe we'll see. I Um, am ready to feel very different about the Mets in 2024 than I did in 2023. I'm ready to give them a chance in my heart. Are you? (laughs) I mean, I, because of the respect that I have for David Stearns, yes. Okay, that's fair. And because I loved watching Steve Cohen learn his lesson the hard way. I loved being right. But we can all make mistakes. It's, all, it's if you learn from the mistakes that matter, right? So that I'm ready to give Steve Cohen a chance to learn from his mistakes. My heart is open to you, New York Mets in 2024. Okay, let's so um uh in 2023 2023 20 in 2023 24 it looks like he signed a 2-year 14 and a half million dollar contract. Hmm. So it's saying that the average salary was seven point seven point two five. It does not say any other it does not give me any other things though. And I'm all aha. Yes, here we go. Okay. So December twentieth of twenty two, he signed a two year fourteen and a half million dollar contract. And then November sixth, he declined a six point seven five million dollar option for twenty twenty. Um so then so he cost himself two what is that two and a quarter? Yeah, this New York Post article that I found says his decision was not based on finances as much as it was the uncertainty surrounding the Mets heading into twenty twenty four following the midseason trades in twenty twenty three and the lack of activity so far under the new president of baseball operations, David Stearns. Cool. And he also noted that some, I guess some of that 6.75 million would have been deferred. So there's that too. So looking at Spotrack, his, the deferral money, um, upcoming deferred contract in 2020, in 2025, he gets 500,000, 2026, 500, for, uh, 27, 500, 28, 500, 29, 500. 30, mm. 500. And then in the final year of the contract, apparently um, his age 45 <laughs> year, he gets a million. Huh. Didn't want to wait for it. Doesn't mean as much when you're 45 in yeah. whatever year that'll be. Interesting. So, but yeah, I. So all in all, it's probably not that different full value at the end of the day. And that's probably why they offered him that amount. But that is interesting i mean that happens every year to one player or another where they decline an option and 
end up losing a little value. Interesting. Interesting. Did we get um, all the relievers? I think so. We got one more pitcher. The, yes. the Oakland Athletics have entered the chat. They have signed or they are signing Alex Wood to a one-year deal. No numbers here yet, but Alex Wood did have a 4.33 ERA last season with a 1.43 whip. He had a 6.8 strikeout average per nine in 29 appearances, and he made 12 starts last season. He is going to slide right into a rather slim Oakland A's rotation. So at least he's going to get yes. a solid place to start. And I'm excited to see him know what his role is, be in a place where he's going to get to start and know that he's going to get to start every fifth day. And I actually found this uh, interesting statistic from the Oakland A's in 2023 that they tied a major league record by using 24 different starting pitchers in 2023. Oh. So maybe Alex Wood will help them cut down on that this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, again, Alex Wood is coming from the San Francisco giants. And if you know anything about the San Francisco giants, they had literally two starting pitchers, like two actual starting pitchers. And then the rest of them, they just kind of pieced together. And so um, as a, starting pitcher you have a routine and a and a thing that you like to do and the fact that he got bounced around between being a starter and between being you know a, a start a starter you know like three inning guy versus an actual yeah. starter an opener thank you he's like what am i doing today you know you just never really know so i think i think maybe him knowing he'll start every fifth day Absolutely. We talked about this last week. I can't remember who it was in regards to, but yeah, there is no player that would not agree with baseball being a game of consistency more than anything. And we see it in other professions as well, but the, the opportunities and the way that players are utilized, depending on the opportunities that they have dictates so much of those hard numbers that you see at the end of the day. And obviously numbers are what get you paid, but there are guys that you look at like this, and you're just like, man, what could he be if he was utilized differently? And I will be eyes on him next offseason because we could be looking at a, a different complete player, especially on paper. Yeah. When he is so, a free agent next year. When the Oakland Athletics are playing in Utah and they are the Utah <laughs> A's or whatever they are. I don't know. So we'll we'll get into that later. That's not a it's not a thing I'm willing to talk about right now. Anyways, um, Someone I am willing to talk about, though, and a team that I really like. Jock Peterson goes to the Diamondbacks yes. for $12.5 million for a year. Um, I was – what I think is hysterical is that they said, bye, Tommy Pham. Jock Peterson, come yeah. on in. So, <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that yet. <laughs> yeah, if you guys uh, don't remember that whole drama, um, Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson were in a fantasy football league, and apparently – Jock Peterson was like talking, talking some shit. And Tommy Pham said the next time he, he sees Jock, he's he's going to pull up and he's just going to slap the shit out of him. And sure enough, out in the outfield, <laughs> Tommy Pham said, I told y'all, told you what the fuck I was going to do. And it just, it makes me laugh that it's Jock Peterson for Tommy Pham. It, so that it was, I, I giggled. I giggled. He is sliding but, um, right into that roster spot. You're right. Yeah, so 
they obviously did not sign him for his defense. They signed him for his um, crushing right-handed pitching capabilities. So Mm -hmm. um, in 2022, he had a ridiculous slash line of 274, 353 with a 521 slug, which equals a WRC plus of 146. Again, 46% better than your average player against right-handed pitching. He hit 23 home runs and walked 9.7% of the time. Hmm. Um, and then the Giants said, that was very good. Please do that again for us. And then in 2023, he said, no mas. And he's, his slash line was 235, 348 with a 416 slug, which is still better than the average player. Um, his WRC plus equaled 111, but, you know, 11% better than the average player versus 46% uh, better than the average player. It's a, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. The Giants were like, what happened? He hit 15 home runs for them, but walked. He upped his walk rate. He walked 13.4% of the time. Um, fun fact, apparently in the minors, he stole bases. Motherfucker could run. Huh. Did you know that? Nope. I did not know that. No idea. And would not have thought that at all. Mm-mm. Got up to the majors and said, "Nope, not running, not stealing any bags." Uh, apparently, he 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 used to he used to run. All right, let's see if the Diamondbacks are going to get him back on his running game. Let's see. I would I love don't, I don't to know. see that from Jack Peterson. Yeah. So they're still, still... The pearls. Is he still wear, wearing his pearls? I don't think he had them on last season as regularly. I don't think so. He is another one of those guys that like I I like want to be annoyed by, but. I'm not for some reason. <laughs> like he kind of gives off that fuck fuck boy vibe, but then like yeah. not really. Yeah. And I'm all, I don't understand how that's a thing, but it it's a thing. I, I think at the end of the day, the the guys who own it and just like are who they are, even if that they are maybe a little bit fuck boy, I'm like, I I respect that you are being <laughs> yourself and you're owning who you are. So yeah. maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we we shall see. We shall see. Um like I said he crushes uh right-handed pitching and um but he's not he's not so good at left-handed pitching. Not so good. So it'll be interesting to see who they platoon him with in that DH role. Um some names have been batted about. Some names have said that the Diamondbacks are not done making moves. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard. Yeah. And I that, love that Jake that McCarthy time. Maybe a trade piece for somebody else. Just saying. So we'll see. We're here for it, D-backs. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I sneak sneakily, the D-backs have had a great off season. Oh like, yeah. I can't. I can't wait until all of those are done. And we can talk about it. Okay. Um. But who's back? Who's back, Kelsey? Who's back? Mm-hmm. Reese Hoskins is coming back. And we forgot about him because he's been gone for so long. He's been down and out and hurt. And the Phillies just had to forget about him. So, so did we. But he's back, signed with the Milwaukee Brewers to be their first baseman for two years, $34 million. There is a mutual option or mutual opt out after the 2024 season. He's going to make $12 million in 2024. He will make $18 million in 2025 or receive a $4 million buyout. So, this is a great deal, I think, for both sides. And I'm excited for 
to see him come back and remind us who the fuck Reese Hoskins is. Cause I think a lot of us have forgotten and how much fun that Phillies team was to watch both with, and then still without him, he just kind of fell off my radar. And I, I, of course I don't want the brewers to get better, but (laughs) I'm not that threatened that I can't be excited about it. Reese Hoskins. Welcome back. Right. Um, I bat flip, man. He had not bat flip, bat spike. Yeah, the back yeah. spike of of the postseason. And um, but the Philly said, uh, JK Reese Hoskins, we don't need you because we have Bryce Harper that's now gonna play first for us. Yeah. So but I I mean they're 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 the Brewers are doing things, so I'm assuming that means that they're gonna try and go for it just a little bit. Like I think they I mean, might we, as well, Susie. Like there's yeah. not a clear front runner for the National League Central. There just isn't. They're they are out there as in it as anyone is. And that's where I'm like, are the Cubs gonna come out and strike down that Craig Council gavel and say, We're here to take it with in the next couple of weeks? We'll see. There's there's a lot that they would have to do to feel that way. So, mm-hmm. but even if they do, like it's, I don't think they can do enough at this point to run away with it. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, cause we had been asking, we had been keeping an eye out to see what they were going to do with Corbin Burns mm-hmm. and Christian Yelich. Like if they did anything for, with those two players, it, it meant tear down time. Right. But yeah. they agreed, um, to Corbin's, um, arbitration number oh yeah quite easily this season mm-hmm. so i was like oh well, okay. you, do you know much about their their new manager pat murphy who was their bench mm-hmm. coach i've seen a couple mm-hmm. interviews with him recently and you should check out some interviews with him because you will be obsessed with his personality like i want to root for the brewers now because oh, i pat just murphy? like him yeah he's a fun guy oh okay he's I, a will, hard ass, I will have to but i will have you to go can do tell that. yeah you can tell like he has a, a great rapport with the players and I think they'll be just fine. Like obviously losing Craig council is a bruise to the ego as much mm-hmm. as it is anything, but I think they will be okay yeah. in terms of so, leadership. Apparently Corbin Burns and Josh Hader are like boys and they go and hunt together. Yes. Yes. Like fish was all, Besties. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. So I was like, Oh, all right. Fun fact. Anyways, um, Adam Frazier to the Royals. One year, $4.5 million. Uh, he will be their util, left-handed bat, with a batting average of 240. He hit 13 home runs, uh, 60 RBIs, over 140 games to the Orioles in 2023. And um, good on you, Adam Frazier, that you got money. And uh, I'll be really honest. I was really, really, really surprised that Adam Frazier got as much playing time as he did with the Orioles last season, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because how stupid talented all of their young guys are. Right. And I was really surprised that um, Brandon Hyde didn't give some of the young guys more run. But that's that's this season, I guess. So Um, but apparently um, he will get a. Two mil- he'll get $2 million in 2024 with an $8.5 million mutual option for next season with a $2.5 million buyout. So, yeah, Adam Frazier to the Royals. Opportunity for a lot more. And, hey, the Royals are going to be another team to watch. Royals are doing things. Like, 
again, I need I need everyone to to go where they're supposed to. Okay, solidify everything so like, we can put a pin in it, please. Yeah, because uh, I really I really want to dive down into all of these rosters, but I can't because Blake Snell has not signed. Jordan Montgomery has not signed. <sighs> like J.D. Martinez, Justin Turner. Oh yeah, Jorge Soler. Okay. The Diamondbacks kind of killed my hopes of them signing Jorge Soler with uh, the Jack Peterson signing, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is such a great fit for so many teams and the, yeah. none more than the Marlins who clearly should bring him back, but doubtful that they're going to, because I sure hope he can get more money than what they're probably willing to pay him. Even though like he was clearly becoming a fan favorite there. It's like really I don't want to talk about the Marlins. Let's not end this on a bad note. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but not that the White Sox are like a way better. I'm like, so we're going to, so we're going to end the show on the White Sox. <laughs> well, not that they are in a way better cultural place, but I do believe that they're committed to a cultural rebuild. I'm here for it. However, it has been, it has come to light recently that I guess the White Sox GM was quoted saying that they are asking the sun and the moon in trade talks for Dylan Cease. And we were talking about this, uh, we've been talking about this all, all off season. Like, will he, yeah. won't he, won't he, yeah. where is he going to be? Are they going to lose value with him by, you know, making him stick around a team he doesn't want to be on for the first half of the season at least. But man, I mean that at the very least that rules out a heavy number of teams who, you know, are just not going to make those kinds of trades. Yeah. What do you think? What's your latest take on Dylan Cease? Tongue in cheek, I think Martin Maldonado is going to turn him into um, the next Cy Young. Ooh. Like, just, it'll just that'll that'll be a thing. <laughs> um, I, you know, honestly, I really don't know. Like, part of me kind of feels like the asking their asking price for Dylan Cease is going to be so high, so that come trade deadline, it's going to no. be pushed <laughs> even farther. Like, I think that's what they're waiting for. So. Part of me sneakily last season thought that he was like sabotaging himself so that so I could see that. Him. Well, <laughs> I, like, I think he was subconsciously like, I definitely think it was more of a mental thing and, and like a where I'm at in physically yeah. and what I'm surrounded by in the culture of the team as much as anything. Yeah. Um, fun fact he's a cat dad. Mm -hmm. Love that, Dylan sees. Yeah, there's a there, there's an iconic picture of Dylan Cease. Anytime I think of him, like not in his White Sox uniform, where he's wearing like one of those like um those like newsies like hat. I don't know what they're oh, called. Oh yeah, they're, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he's got like, like a lid hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got one of those on and that like epic stash, and he's like holding up the cat and it and it and it's like face is right here and I, it's it's super awesome and I love that it. That needs and, to be on our Diamond Daddy's calendar. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see. So I think I think that's what they're waiting on. I'll, I'll be really honest. I think they're they're hoping that Dylan Cease won't implode the first half of the season so that they can trade him at the deadline and get yeah, like, even see, more he's back. Now pay us yeah. for him. All yeah. right. Well, and you know, and like I said, uh, for as much shit as I gave Maldi, they all of the pitchers, all of our starting pitchers, wanted to throw to him because 
of how meticulous he was in the prep. And who knows, maybe, maybe that will help Dylan Cease. Like maybe, maybe he will figure some stuff out. Like, I don't know. Um, I think it's sometimes when we speculate on stuff like this, some fans, I, I think it's easy to say like, oh, something that, you know, like that kind of thing can't make a difference. But the reason that there is so many speculations around things like that is because when you are at as elite of a level as major league baseball players are at, it is right. that small of a thing. It is yeah. those kinds of things that do make the difference. So I'm with you there. Yeah. That could be it. Yep. So again, um, we ask, we beg, we're pleading because pitchers and catchers report in like two weeks. Scott Boris, you we... have so much money. Just let Blake Snell know where he is going yeah. 10 days apparently, from now. Apparently it's just the Yankees though. Apparently it's just the Yankees. Just the one offer from the Yankees. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? <sighs> okay. Um, so we're still, we're, we're on free agent watch for a number of big players like Jordan Montgomery. I literally think is just begging the Boston Red Sox to give him any sort of decent offer so that his wife, who is a med She's medical a doctor. student. Yeah. Is she, she is has she, finished med school. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I'm like, is she, so she has, is she doing her residency there? Then, I think in so. Boston? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so a good I really, <laughs> I really think that Jordan Montgomery is like, listen, Red Sox, if you will give me a decent offer, I will be here. And I don't know why the Boston Red Sox are not doing this. Because again, Brian Bayo is your one, guys. Like, I'm not, and I'm not saying that Brian Bayo is not a very good pitcher because he is, but he is young. He's like 24, 25. Like, what, what, what are we doing? I mean, there's probably almost half the teams in Major League Baseball right now. Jordan Montgomery is a one or a two on at least. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I mean, like I guess I guess we're we're putting all our eggs in the in the Lucas Giolito basket. Is that what we're doing, Red Sox fans? <laughs> that- I just really want to know like how much of it is like where is the strategy falling right now? Does Scott Boris really still have the upper hand? And this is like, he just knows this is how he's going to get the most money or have enough owners finally and and execs finally caught on to his bullshit. And they're just like, they're at a standstill. Like, is that what it is? Cause that's what I hope right. it is. But well, and you can't, I don't know. You can't tell me that there is not collusion. Oh like, yeah. You cannot <laughs> fucking tell me that these that these like owners and like gms and shit aren't texting their like their buddies i mean you know as they should they're, they're this asking point, me like... for this like what did they ask you for you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> scott boris has made a fool of you all long enough yeah but i yeah i feel for these guys who don't know where they're going and what the next year and probably i mean for blake snell and jordan montgomery i hope five plus years for both of them looks like yeah, I I don't know. Like, here's another fun question, Kels. What is the difference between a number one and an ace? Or is there any difference in your mind? Hmm. That is a good question. Like, off the top of my head, my initial reaction is there's not a difference. But... I am more comfortable and committed to using the term ace for someone who has done it 
more multiple seasons in a row. Right. That's that's what I would say the difference is more of like your franchise, your franchise guy. So like my question is is Robbie Ray a number one or an ace? Or neither. Or both. He has the potential to be a number one. Okay. So not an ace? Mm, not currently. So like <laughs> off the top of your head, if I were to if I were to ask you, name name some aces. Name five aces. Well, I, that's hard because like Justin Verlander has absolutely been an ace. Is he going to be an ace in 2024? Like that. Part yes. Yes, he is. Kelsey, <laughs> we are manifesting that shit. Okay. That's Thinking what we're Max doing. Scherzer, like I'm not going to undercut what he has done in his career. He's clearly a first ballot hall of famer. Is he going to be an ace in 2024? He's not even going to pitch for half the season. No. So Max there's Scherzer a guy you can ace. be less emotionally attached to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, so, I mean, as and again, as much as I like to give the Yankees, like Garrett Cole, ace. Yeah, for sure. He's a perfect example of a, you know, um, yeah, no argument, ace. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of like the, the, the one pitchers for, for all of the like starting teams. So is Nathan Navaldi is Nathan Navaldi an ace or a one? I, I think he, if he has the kind of season that he had last year, for the Rangers, then he absolutely should be considered an ace. He's someone who I think is still kind of undervalued. See, at see, least in my fans. head, in my head, I think he's a one. I don't consider him an ace. Don't ask me why. I don't have any like good. I don't, and it's not because he's a Ranger. Like I just because yeah. I think like Luis Castillo is an ace mm-hmm. for, like the Red, mm-hmm. for the Reds. Jesus for the Mariners, but like. Is Zach Gallen? Who's see? I don't think Zach Gallen is an ace. I think Zach Gallen's a one, but I don't yeah, think Zach I guess an ace. the other difference is the other like differentiating factor is like how cl- closely you would compare them to the number two. Are they, okay. you know, like you think about okay. Garrett Cole last year for the Yankees, like there was no one that came close when you think about who you want out there on the mound, but like, yep. Depending on the day, I and depending on the matchup, I might not be, you know, that hard pressed if Merrill Kelly's out there instead of Zach Gallant. Mm-hmm. Just as very good point. And good the point. same thing with Nathan Avaldi. I could see that too. Like again, depending on the day, depending on the matchup, you know, you don't nec- you don't always prefer him over someone else. Right. See, I I I heard this on um this I heard this question posed on a podcast that I, that I listened to and I listen to way too many podcasts um so I can't even tell you which one I listened to to that like made this stick in my brain so I apologize to all of the podcasts that I listened to if if this was one <laughs> of the things that, I'm sorry yeah I, I'm so sorry so uh but I am really interested to hear slash see anybody else's answers so please put them in the comments um dm them to us tell them to us on twitter i because i i really want to know a if there is a difference between a number one and an ace and what that difference is or if you think they're one in the same yeah and what give are the me your list. qualifications yeah. for being an ace and does it yeah. 
look the same on every team. Because I'm thinking about Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola right now, as often referred to as co-aces. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't argue with that because I think they are they were, at least last season, they were both, well, last season, even more the season before. In 2022, yeah. they were both very equally consistent. And then obviously mm-hmm. their contributions in the postseason can't be argued. So, yeah, a lot of it is like how they size up to the other, the rest of yeah. their pitching staff and the rest of, you know, starting pitchers. Totally. Yeah. And we'll see, like, like, like Sunny Gray. Mm. Sunny mm-hmm. Gray was the Twins' number one last season. Is he an ace? I well, honestly he think easily be an ace. I mean, if if we're comparing it to the rest of the pitching staff, he is like an ace and then some on the Cardinals yes. in 2024. But comparatively to the yeah. league, though, right? I don't think I. I don't. I don't think we I would. I, I don't think I put him be. on that ace list. He's a definite number one, but I don't think I would put him on the ace list. And I and that's no shade to Sonny Gray because I know that he did yeah. he did wonderful things last last season. But I don't know. I it's really it's kind of a thought provoking question in my brain now because I'm. It all- is. I do think consistency is a really big piece that I would consider a value between you know of something that makes makes the starting pitcher an ace over a number one or anything else. Like to actually feel like you can call them an ace is that you know, regardless of matchup, re- matchup, regardless of weather, regardless of anything, like, you know, you know exactly what to expect. Yeah. Corbin and, Burns, ace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not saying that they're not going to have an off day here and there, but yeah. it's not even something that you bat an eye out at that point because that's how infrequent it is. Yeah. So I, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to think on this some more guys. Because it, it is kind of like a brain um, breaking thing for me now that I can't even I can't even put into words like why I think some of these guys are aces like and why I think some of them are considered ones. And I. And it sounds bad, but I, I don't know why. I, so yeah, it's a good debate. We could put we yeah. could try to put some more hard and fast rules on it, though. I like that. Yeah, I so, like things that again, are clear cut. <laughs> right. Uh, if you guys know the difference or think of the difference between number ones and aces. And if there is or isn't, um, please again, put them in the YouTube comments, DM them to us, tell them to us on Twitter. Um, speaking of Twitter, Kelsey, where, where, where can they find, find you on the Twitter at Kbird tweets right here. If you're looking at the YouTube screen, if you're not, it's not Kbird like a bird, it's Kbird like B U R D tweets like a bird at Kbird tweets on the Twitter. My solo podcast, Peace, Love, and Baseball, comes out every Tuesday. I am here weekly with Susie. We do another show called Babes Babes that covers so many aspects of baseball. But if you find me there on the Twitter, you find it all. Yep. Susie, where can we find you slash us? Uh, you can find us at Bourbon in B-Ball. That is the show Twitter that I use as my personal Twitter. I don't actually know why I have a personal Twitter, but, you know, I do. So the show... Twitter is bourbon in the letter N B ball. And my personal Twitter is baseball underscore Susie S U Z Y Q. Don't misspell it. It will hurt my feelings. Not really, but I will get mad at you. Um, and then you can find the show on Instagram at bourbon and baseball pod. Again, we are holding tough. 
holding very tough on the Japanese, Korean, and Spain Apple podcast charts. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening and doing all of those things. We really, really, really appreciate you. So United States, I need you to get on fucking board. So if you already haven't, please give us a five-star rating and leave us nice words. Leave us nice reviews. I would love that. And um, I said this, if you guys listened to the last episode of Bourbon and Baseball Astros edition, you will have heard me say this, um, but we have 174 subscribers now on the YouTubes. Uh, and the last time I checked, I had like 165 or something or 166. And I was so it's like in my 12 year old uh, brain, I was so excited. And I got a little giggle out of it because I was like, oh, ha ha ha. It's going to be so funny when I get 169 sub subscribers. You missed it. And I just we just blew right past it. You and I it. and I I missed it. And my. My 12-year-old brain was a little disappointed. I, I don't know what's wrong with me, guys. I'm very sorry. Um, now we just need to get to 269 is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Essentially, essentially, that's what needs to happen. So tell all your friends um, to please subscribe so that we can get to 269 so my 12-year-old brain will be happy. That's the new appreciated. Goal. Yeah. Uh, and with that, we will wrap it up. Again, we will. Unfortunately, we didn't get to uh, interview Scott Braun today he was feeling a little bit under the weather so that is coming soon fingers crossed and uh with that now i really am going to hit and record yay baseball